0: Thank you, Dale. That was a long reading, but I think it was important to hear together and read together. So let us run the race with endure- Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is another one of those passages in Scripture that can so easily be turned into a morality lesson instead of a gospel story. One of those passages that can be read as though it were supporting the law instead of revealing grace. R- read and understood as a transaction instead of a response, as imperative instead of indicative. Last week, if you were here, remember we looked at the story of Peter walking on water, and we found the same thing. How easy it is for us to read Scripture outside of the framework of the Gospel. The Gospel is the fundamental truth that God comes to us. God loves us. He saves us because that is who He is. But when we read it outside of that framework, we read stories like this and think they're telling us we need to transact with God. We need to be better. We need to do better. If he is going to love us and if he's going to save us, if he's going to transform us, if he's going to help us. But the gospel says differently. And the gospel, if, if, Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. If that is true, then the gospel must inform our reading of all of scripture. For he was crucified before the scriptures were even written. And if the scriptures are all about him, then that's the great framework in which to read scripture. The law will never save us. No matter how hardwired we might feel we are for the law, it will never save us. Only grace can save us. Only grace changes our lives forever. So when we approach passages like this, we should be careful and question those ideas that pop into our heads, that we read in books that people teach us. Question those ideas that would turn biblical stories into lessons for us to transact instead of respond. Question those ideas that would turn Stories into lessons for us to live imperatively instead of indicatively. Question those ideas that would teach us to live according to the law and not according to grace. But this is not an easy line to walk. At all. At all. For the great demand of Christianity, and yes, Christianity places a great demand on all of us. The great demand of Christianity is that we become like Christ. That's the demand. The question is, is that something we earn with our moral goodness or something we are made into by the grace of God as we respond in love to his love for us? Is becoming like Christ something we actually labor to achieve or something we live into because it has already been done for us by the perfect and complete work of Christ on our behalf? This is a most important question to ask and wrestle with. At some level, it is the question of grace and law. What do they mean? What is their relationship to each other? How do they each affect or can affect or should affect us as we desire to live more authentic human being? And so beginning last week, by looking at Peter walking on the water, Lord willing, for the greater part of this coming year, this is what we're going to be exploring. We're going to look at different biblical stories, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, that often lead us, without us realizing it, to pursue and embrace a theology of law when we should be embracing a theology of grace. For as St. Paul himself wrote, Paul said, for the law brings about wrath. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. I found that every commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Grace and only grace brings life. The law never has and the law never will. Jesus is the one who promises us life. So I think we should be pursuing life, not death, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. So let me make a quick side note though. So remember, each week, these are short sermons that I give, and there's no way they can cover every detail. And when we're going to take on this big, big concept of grace versus law over the coming year, every week is going to leave things open, things that will cause questions and, and have us pursue and study and explore and, and hopefully stay engaged over the course of the series as we slowly dive into these big, big concepts of grace and law. So for today, let's start with this passage. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I got to tell you, listening to Dale read it, not because it was Dale reading it, listening to anyone read it, but reading that passage and hearing these things, this really seems imperative, doesn't it? It really does. It really makes us think, well, we better get out of the boat, like Peter got out of the boat. We better do something. Work harder, be holy, run longer. Everyone knows the only way to build endurance is to run. And the more you run, the more endurance you have. So let's get running. Let's clean up our act. Let's get rid of the encumbrances. Let's throw away those favorite sins and be like the spiritual heroes of old. After all, the cloud of witnesses are there for us to follow and draw on as examples of giants of the faith. So let's follow those examples. And when we do, we will be rewarded with God's love. We will be offered a place in his eternal kingdom. We will be made one of the witnesses for the next generations. But maybe the writer of Hebrew is not intending that reading at all. At all. Maybe he is trying to get us to embrace what the rest of Scripture is trying to get us to embrace. Grace. See, not only do we have the frame of all Scripture to help us find this meaning in this passage... But we have this writer's own context to help us get there. Which is why I had Dale read all of chapter 11. That's the context for these first two verses in chapter 12. That's the context. Okay? It starts with this cloud of witnesses. They are given us as an example for sure. But maybe it's not the kind of example that we initially think Oh, yes, they did great things. They ran the race with endurance well, but not because they were great people or special people or prodigies without equal or born with extraordinary talents. (coughs) No, they were folks just like us, sometimes wonderful, sometimes not so much, sometimes very clean, and sometimes very messy, sometimes full of confidence, and sometimes full of doubt. Sometimes they were models of purity, and other times, not so much models of purity. Sometimes they were filled with the massive potential for good, and other times they were filled with endless potential for evil. Let's just consider a few of them from the list the writer gave us. Noah, well, After God saved him and his entire family, he got so wasted, he passed out naked in front of his kids, and then he cursed one of them for noticing. Nice guy. (laughs) Abraham was filled with so much doubt at times, he slept with his maid to try to hurry up the promise God made him to be the father of nations. Hmm. Sarah, his wife, laughed in God's face. Jacob deceived his own father to get him to bless him. Moses, even after seeing the burning bush, had such a lack of confidence that he requested God give him Aaron as a mouthpiece. And then to really read Moses' story later in life, he had serious anger issues as he got older. Rahab, well, she was a prostitute. Samson... Now, Samson's unique. He actually was born with extraordinary talents. But we're all pretty familiar with Samson's issues, so we don't need to go into them. And then this is one of my favorites. So Jephthah, this is the John Snow of the Old Testament. For those of you that watch Game of Thrones, John Snow was one of the great characters. Jephthah is the John Snow of the Old Testament. See, Jephthah, to read his story, he was the bastard son of Gilead through a prostitute. And he was so hated by his half-brothers, he was driven from home and country. John Snow. David, poor David's always getting dragged through the mud, but it's sort of his own fault. He was an adulterer and a murderer. So are we starting to get the picture when we read Hebrews in this passage that we want to turn in to a morality tale? It's not. This cloud of witnesses is there to tell us that we can run this race set before us with endurance because we are just like them. It is not to try to be like them and run well. It is we are like them so we too can run well. And boy is that hopeful. No matter how difficult and painful and long this race may be, and how many times we might think we're failing. We can do it. Because it is grace in us doing it for us. Just like it was grace doing it in and for them. Let's consider another witness that this writer gave us by name, Gideon. I really like Gideon's story. In fact, that, that might be one of the Old Testament stories we actually look at. We st- his story sort of starts in Judges chapter 6. and So the, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, O valiant warrior. So Gideon responds with anger, disappointment, and doubt about God. He says, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Oh, is that so human. So beautifully human. And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from... Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. I love Gideon. How wonderfully filled with doubt is that? And anger and disappointment with God. And yet, God, so then the angel of the Lord turns around and says to him, Well, go in this your strength. (laughs) What? What strength did Gideon just show? Wow, my voice just got high. I must go be going through puberty at 51. That's awesome. Uh, What strength does he have? Disappointment? Anger? Doubt? This is not one of modern American Christianity's heroes. Trust me. They want us to be perfect. I wonder if that's why there's such an exodus from the churches these days. They're asking us to do what we're supposed to be telling them God does for us. Hmm. Anyway. But yes, that's exactly what his strength is. All his doubting, and all his messiness, and all his fears, and all his anger. Why? Because, verse 16. Surely I will be with you. His strength in our weakness. His grace is sufficient for us. Hmm. Surely, I will be with you. Grace. Chavijian, commenting on this passage, writes, Moralism says to run the race with endurance in order to become the thing I should be. Well, the gospel says that what enables me to run the race with endurance is that I have already been made the thing I should be. We don't run the race to become something we can run the race because we are something. We are redeemed like David, Gideon, and the rest. Because of this, we can run with Christ's endurance, needing none of our own. Wow, is that helpful and hopeful. And that is why the writer of Hebrews added this most important line to this passage. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. It's all about what Jesus did. That's what makes us able to live like him. Don't lose sight of the gospel. Don't lose sight of Jesus Christ. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is not just our example. If that's all it was... If it's only an example, then what's the point? Every religion has an example to point to. But Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is not just our example. It's our power to live into that example. And these encumbrances and sins which so easily entangle us are simply those things which take our eyes off the gospel, off of Jesus Christ. Anything that leads us to believe there is a better way than grace keeps us from running with endurance. Because it makes us put our faith somewhere else. Mostly, usually putting it in ourselves and how good we can be. There are two examples. One is is from fiction and one is from non-fiction that I think can help us wrap our heads around this mystery of grace in us, of Christ's grace sufficient for us, of Christ in us. One comes, is, is fiction, it comes from the, the wonderful film Forrest Gump, and I was going to show the clip, but I didn't get it in time, but that's okay. There's this scene early on, in Forrest Gump is little, and he's got the big braces on his legs, and he can hardly walk, right? <laughs> and then these three little mean boys come up, and they're throwing rocks at him, and he's standing on this road with Jenny, you know, his, his love of his life. And she says, run, Forrest, run! Well, Forrest can't run, right? She's just got these legs on, but he's getting hit with stones, so he just starts. And he can't run at all, but he's trying. And then all of a sudden, this miracle, and it's filmed so wonderfully with the slow motion as the, as the braces just break off and shatter and then he just starts running beautifully it's such a beautiful uh, illustration of this mystery God's not asking us to run perfectly He's just asking us to run all those cloud of witnesses, all those things that the writer of Hebrews said they did no they didn't do they were a mess, but they just started to run. And God in them made things happen. And listen, one other thing about this before I get to the next example that's very important here. Because otherwise, even, even talking about this good news can, can become bad news because you think, well, I, I've been doing that and my braces don't break. His grace is sufficient. Maybe we'll never run like Forrest Gump. Maybe we'll never build an ark. Well, then that's what God wants us to do, whatever it is. But just run. Just run, for us. And the second example comes from real life. Many of us here, especially in Massachusetts, know this story. This is the story of Dick and Rick Hoyt. Rick is the son. He's in the wheelchair. He was born to... Dick and Judy Hoyt in 1962. He lost oxygen at birth and as a result he was diagnosed as a spastic quadriplegic with cerebral palsy with no chance of him recovering. Well, when Rick became a teenager, he received a computer which enabled him to communicate with his family. Well, one day he learned about a five mile run He learned about a five-mile run to raise money for another child with disability, and he wanted to run to raise money for that kid. (coughs) So he asked his dad if he would run the race with him. His dad said yes, so they ran together as his dad pushed his wheelchair. That night after the race, his dad remembers, and this is a quote from Mr. Hoyt, Rick told us he just didn't feel handicapped when we were competing. If we would just run, we won't feel what we feel because we have God the Father. Since that race that Rick ran for the other boy, he and his dad, they're they're semi-retired now. They've run literally hundreds and hundreds of races. They ran every weekend for 30 years. They ran the Boston Marathon 30 or 31 times. In fact, the last time they ran the Boston Marathon was the, the year of the bombings, and that was going to be their last. They said that the next winter, Rick said to his dad, Dad, dad we have to do it again in honor of those people. And that was their last marathon. They did triathlons. They did Ironman competitions. They raced up mountains, and once together, just like that, they ran 3,735 miles across America. When his father runs, Rick is in a wheelchair that his dad is pushing. When his father cycles, Rick is in a special chair attached to the front of the bike. When his father swims, Rick is in a small boat being pulled by his dad. It's a beautiful image of this mystery of grace. This is what God is doing or wants to do for us. Let's face it. In this thing we call the spiritual race, We're just like, Rick, remember last week? We're all sinking, and we're only lying to ourselves if we think we're doing this Christianity thing on our own. But the demand to love even our enemies, to love God and love others, (coughs) is so big. I think that's why we don't even try. Because when we're honest with ourselves, we know we can't. We know we can't love our enemies. It's stupid to love our enemies. But we don't have to. We just got to start running, and we will love our enemies. Because, as Stephen Terpstra said, we have a Father who loves us, a Savior who died for us, and His Spirit empowering us. Because of them, we can run our race each and every day with confidence.